You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? The evil that follows. It was the summer of 96, or better referred to as the summer of hell. I can't help but to blame myself. After all, I've watched plenty of horror movies to know all the basic rules, but even then I ignored the most important one. I was young and curious, so attracted to anything horror. I played with a spirit board by myself, and if that wasn't enough, I had chanted spells that I found in a spell book written in another language. Frustrated at what I thought was a complete fail since nothing had happened, I continued on with this dangerous combo. A few days had passed, and things began to change. I started to hear strange sounds. For each night that went by, the evil entity became more aggressive. Some call it sleep paralysis, but I know it was an evil force holding me captive. I can hear the growling in my ear, and the voices as it whispers to me, calling out my name. I was terrified. I fought so hard to have just enough courage to open my eyes and then fear would strike again when I would witness with my own eyes a hooded shadow figure by my bed, and shadow figures darting in and out of the wall while calling my name. It was getting worse. I could now feel it touching me. It actually touched my foot. It wouldn't let me sleep, and it was as if it was getting stronger. I was so scared. And knowing it was my fault, I didn't want to tell anyone, especially my father. All my family had warned me about tampering with spirit boards. I no longer felt safe in my own home, and every chance I got, I tried to go somewhere, hoping that this thing wouldn't follow me. I distinctly remember several occasions where the evil had followed me. My aunt had asked me to stay with her and her family during the week to babysit my little cousin while she worked. I had fallen asleep. Something had disturbed my sleep. I opened my eyes to the light above me flickering on and off. I immediately left the bedroom and fell asleep on the couch for the rest of the night. Another night, I had experienced the same exact thing. But this time as I left the room, I heard whispering coming from my cousin's bedroom, which was located right next to the living room. Confused and terrified, I started to wonder if it was my cousin that I had been babysitting, only to find out later that day he was sleeping in his parents' room the entire night. I knew I had to dispose of the board, and when I did, I heard a voice later that night say, I will come back. Eventually, we moved, and I began feeling safe again. The activity still happens from time to time. I realized later that this thing wasn't a part of the house. I summoned it, and it was attached to me. Good morning, good evening, whenever you're tuning in, 
Welcome back to another episode of Paranorm Girl. I am your host, Kristen. And on today's show, we are going to hear about firsthand accounts and what happens during an encounter with a shadow person. Ooh, spooky, spooky. But before we jump on into today's lesson, I feel the need to give a trigger warning, which I probably should have been doing thus far on every episode. These encounters are happening to people all over the world, to thousands, some experiencing it on a regular basis. And these encounters, while some of the time can feel pretty neutral or brief, for others can be intensely terrifying and last for what seems like forever. For anyone who has had this experience and is listening to hopefully gain some insight into these occurrences or to get more information in general, know that you are not crazy and know that you are not alone. It's awful having to deal with this. But in the spirit of educating ourselves about it, we are going to go through the different types of experiences and the details of what can happen during an encounter in this one. I understand, especially now, just how traumatizing this experience can be. And there's going to be some unpleasant details throughout, but also some very dark stuff as we near the end of the episode. So either brace yourself or if you prefer, have that skip button ready. I will give you fair warning on when to click it. And on a lighter note, sort of, uh, nothing else has happened in regards to my Hatman videos, thankfully. No strange dreams or, well, stranger than usual. No weird feelings or feelings of being watched. No torment. No shadow people upon waking. So either it was just the filters doing what filters do best and creating something out of nothing, or these things just find me boring. With good cause. My life is incredibly uninteresting. So thank goodness for that. Um, so bye now. You may have noticed that I start each episode out with a little story. The plan is to continue doing so, as I want to both share people's experiences, but also to shed a more intimate light on whatever paranormal phenomena I may be talking about during any given season. These are firsthand accounts from listeners and supporters of the show. And these encounters were very real to the experiencer at the time they occurred. Though I can certainly appreciate any effort by the scientific community to come up with a reasonable, logical explanation for these events, there's a part of me that does wish they would take some details of people's personal accounts into consideration. There are things happening during these encounters that conveniently get set to the side, because when a detail doesn't fit the parameters of a study or a dissertation, it skews the intended results. When the net is not cast wide enough to take all variables under consideration, I'm left feeling a bit lied to and placated, like a clinical little pat on the head. They're there. You're not actually seeing what you're seeing. You just have a sleep disorder. Your eyes are playing tricks on you. Your mind wants to see faces and everything. You're allowing your fear and paranoia to create sounds or shadows to move or pressure on your chest and your brain is already set up to fill in the blanks. And look, I'm not saying the more scientific explanations are wrong. It is my opinion that they are incomplete. They do not and cannot 
at this present time give us a blanket answer on shadow people or the hat man or the old hag. Take sleep paralysis itself. There haven't been many studies conducted, but there's been a few. And from the looks of it, it appears the scientific community is now starting to take a more specific interest in it. But why would they want to study it further? The reason is they don't actually know what causes sleep paralysis. So to cite sleep paralysis as the reason we see shadow figures when we don't even know how or why the condition occurs, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't fit. They suspect some causes, such as sleeping on your back, might result in an episode. Not getting enough sleep might do it. Drinking before bed, drug use. But riddle me this. When a person is sleeping on their side or stomach or, hey, how about not even asleep at the time of their experience? Or the person who regularly gets enough sleep, the one who doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs. When this person still encounters a shadowy being, what does that mean? Why is it still happening to them? No matter how big or small you want to cast that net or fine-tune and finagle the results, these stories do exist, whether you like it or not. It still happens, despite the person who is doing everything right. And despite what it sounds like right now, I'm not trying to bag on the medical or scientific professionals who devote their time and resources to this topic. I believe they are doing the best they can. I believe they are genuinely trying to find the answers for us. I'm just frustrated with the not knowing, I guess. As is going to be the case with all paranormal topics I talk about. So far, they have made some incredible discoveries on the subject. And I will absolutely give them their moment to shine and show off in an upcoming episode. Okay, I'll leave off on the subject for now, but with a couple of thoughts. Sleep paralysis is a real, verifiable condition. It is. No one can argue that. Encounters with shadow people are a global phenomena reported in massive amounts of people asleep and awake, alone and with others, sleep-deprived, drunk, drug-induced, and the exact opposite with otherwise completely healthy individuals. In any further investigation or, or future studying of this sleep condition, might we take into consideration that it might not be the cause, but rather either a symptom of the visitations or simply a mental state that sets aside our reality-driven perceptions, giving us the ability to actually see things that have been there all along. I think we'll end up finding the answers in the middle. Once we decide it's acceptable to go ahead and marry our physical reality with these spiritual occurrences, I think we'll find more of the answers we seek. Okay, <laughs> and delicately, gracefully stepping from my soapbox, let's jump into today's lesson. Let's dive into those first-hand accounts and talk about what might happen should you find yourself in the presence of a shadowy visitor. I'm going to start with, um, with the general across-the-board concept for each type of encounter one might have. Filmmaker Paul Tate 
creator of the documentaries Your Worst Nightmare and Supernatural Assault Terror from the Shadows, has had his own personal experiences, both with shadow people and sleep paralysis. Um, due to his curiosity about the phenomenon, he decided to make these documentaries in order to explore these types of experiences. He states, um, according to the research he has done, that one in five people experience some type of visitation with a shadow figure. That seems a little high f just hearing it, just reading it right now. Um, so I, I don't know what the accuracy of that is, but that is what he states. So we are going to uh, ask the questions, what is it like for these people? What happens during their encounters? The first encounter type we'll talk about is the one that probably happens the most and is the least reported, as it could easily be written off as just, you know, our imagination playing tricks on us or just us seeing things. This type is elusive and astonishingly quick, which can be seen in the dark corners of your room while coming in or out of sleep or while fully awake in the daytime, like when you're sitting on the couch watching TV. You see them only from the corner of your vision. Uh, when you turn to look, it's, it's usually already gone. There's nothing there. But you know you saw some dark shape or movement as it disappeared around the corner, poofed into thin air, easily blending in with the other shadows. This kind has been described as having both humanoid aspects to it, but also more misty, cloud-like shapes. Um, as these types don't seem to want to be seen or to have an actual interaction, there's not much more to say about what happens with them. Aside from the creepy feeling of a presence or noticing something shyly peeking at you from a safe distance, there doesn't seem to be much to fear about these particular encounters. A little less playful and winners of the longest stare without blinking contest, next we have the ones who watch. These guys might linger about a little bit longer, enough for people to get a good look. They don't usually do much other than watch you. There, um, there was a fantastic account I read in an article posted on the lineup website of, um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to find the link. I cannot remember <laughs> where it was that I saw, but I remember it was on the lineup website. Um, and it was of a, uh, a couple laying in bed. The guy had just been laying there, uh, not able to fall asleep or something, and he suddenly becomes aware of a third presence. He said that um, he saw this shadow man come in through the door, cross the room, and it just stops at the foot of their bed, just continuing to intently watch the couple while they lay there. After a few seconds, the guy realizes that his wife's breathing has become very quiet, he asks her if she's awake and she's like, you know, yep. <laughs> and then and then he asks her if she sees anything, expecting her to be like, you know, what you, what you talking about, Cletus? See what? She quickly responds, you mean that thing standing at the foot of the bed? <sighs> Is it chilly in here? The guy reports this thing just continued to stand there, silently staring for like another 10 minutes before just evaporating before their eyes. I think that's a much nicer way for these things to depart. I've seen stories of these types' movements being unnaturally quick and disconcerting. 
when they have finally decided that they've had their fill of your beautiful face and whatever fascinating thing you were probably just doing, they skitter out of frame. Fast forward, hyper speed like, up until they, you know, flicker from our reality or disappear into a wall. And uh, I don't understand the wall thing, but it's in a lot of encounters I've read. It's not likely that these things will do anything to you, at least physically speaking. They just seem to linger and lurk, creeping you out. When you find yourself in the presence of a red-eyed shadow, be a bit more ready for some action. It's said they don't like us very much and act as such. It is thought that our fear is what they are after, and we'll do what is necessary to get it, whether it's change their very shape, hide and stare at you from your closet, growl at you from the dark corner in the basement, sit on your chest to crush you, or wrap its blacker than black hands around your scrawny little neck and squeeze you awake. They are menacing and negative and are widely and unsurprisingly accepted by the paranormal community to exist, to terrify. Some even go so far as to label this particular race of shadow people evil or demonic. Though it's more common to see the red-eyed variety, I've also read encounters with purple, green, blue, and white little eye holes. Whatever the color, it seems their prerogative remains the same. The next type of encounter you could experience is with what I will call the less than fantastic four. This class of shadow entities includes, but is not limited to, the crawler, the old hag, the hooded figure, and everyone's bestie, the hat man. Crawler experiences I've read seem to run the gamut as far as how they present themselves to the viewer and also how they interact. Um, they can be massive and muscular or small, squat, tiny shadow figures. They crawl on the ceilings, along the walls, crouch in corners and doorways, inside or outside. These things, for some reason, just gotta do the creepy crawly. Uh, I've read a few accounts where it was said to have red or white eyes, but most other accounts had them just as a simple, inky, black mass. So, who knows, but maybe there's some crossover with their colorful-eyed cohorts, and there is no such thing as a crawler, just a red-eyed beauty clipping it along your ceiling. I haven't found any differences in its interactions with its victims um, compared to any other shadow entity. They do mostly all of it, which we'll learn about momentarily. At first glance, it seems the crawling effect is simply just another attempt at provoking the terror that these things so desperately desire. The old hag, in a general sense, is what you might imagine. From the old hag Wikipedia page, in Brazil, she is described as a tall, skinny old woman with long, dirty nails, dried-up toes, white, tangled hair, long nose, staring red eyes, and greenish teeth on her evil laugh. You know, an old hag, just a stereotyped witchy-like character who steps or sits on people's chests while they sleep. This one gets tough to really nail down when considering that she has a slightly different description in all of the different regions of the world. But the basic idea is a malevolent force or entity who sets upon the sleeping rendering them immobile and paralyzed and making it hard for them to breathe. 
Scandinavian folklore has her causing nightmares in her victims. In Turkey, she strangles them. It's interesting to note that even though the idea of various nighttime entities as we know from the last episode on the history and lore have changed and morphed over the course of time, this basic image and modus operandi of the old hag has remained evergreen throughout the centuries. She got that stay in power. However, in more modern encounters, some differences or maybe even evolutions, emerge. In these specific accounts, while there is a feeling of pressure upon the chest and sensing of a threatening presence, you might not necessarily see anything there, any sort of entity during the attack, all the while still feeling the depression of extra body weight upon your bed or legs straddling you. Also, some have reported a sense of something trying to enter them rather than crush them, or the feeling of something trying to take over their body. I will say, though, if all we do is take that general description of the old hag into consideration, aside from the physical interactions she has with the experiencer, I'm actually not sure why she gets lumped in with the shadow folk crowd. I thought being an actual shadow was the qualifier to be included. And from the stories, it sounds like this is one entity that when she is visible, you can make out physical details and her appearance. That there is a lot less mystery to how she looks than, say, the hat man or your, your basic schmasic uh, shadow entity. I've included her here, but may end up talking more about her if and when I ever do a season on demonic activities, as she feels more up that alley than anywhere else. The hooded figure is encountered pretty regularly. A lot more regularly than you usually hear about, but I think the hat man tends to take the press in regards to the staple entities of the Shadow Crew. So what immediately comes to mind when I say hooded figure? Grim Reaper, right? Well, just like the hat man, he comes with some detail changes depending on the person and situation during the experience. While he can present exactly like the reaper does in his long reaper robe, giant hood pulled too far forward to see any sort of face underneath, and very tall, thin frame, in modern times, we might actually experience this entity in a simple sweatshirt hoodie. His actions differ a bit, too, from person to person. Some feel a deep, dark malevolence. Some feel a benevolence. Some have felt the sharp, hard grab of his hands on their legs, while others, uh, like a woman in Mike Ricksecker's book, A Walk in the Shadows, recount the saving touch and pressure of invisible hands supporting her body, just stopping her from falling down a flight of stairs. She would later see a hooded figure in the window she had been near at the time of her close call. And then there are the widely reported first-hand accounts taking place with the hat man, who, by all accounts, seems to want to be seen, seems to want to instill fear and terror. Author Heidi Hollis states she believes him to be the big cheese, the ringleader of this entire shadowy band of misfits. Some think him to be the devil in the flesh or in the shadow. In short, be prepared to be frightened when you bump into this little pretty. I'm not going to spend a lot of time describing this encounter because I don't want to ruin the surprise I've got in store for you guys on the next episode. What I will say here is, the hat man comes in many shapes and descriptions, and 
even likes to change his hat up from time to time. The man likes his accessories. I was originally going to recommend you all check out this fantastic website, thehatmanproject.com, but unfortunately, the website was recently accidentally deleted. The creator is currently working on rebuilding it, so hopefully that'll be back up and running sometime soon. And when it is, please go check it out if you crave Hatman and only Hatman content. In the meantime, just consult Google or the documentary I mentioned in my previous episode called The Hatman, Documented Cases of Pure Evil, or take your pick of the numerous books being put out on this very entity. There is no shortage of material on this guy. As far as if you are wondering if the experience you yourself had was indeed with the hat man, here's how you'll know. There's a tall shadow man standing in your doorway, wearing a hat and seen. Okay, okay, no, there's, there's a bit more to it you may feel a very heavy, menacing presence, which gets even heavier the moment you see that you are not alone. He's been described as being anywhere from 6 to 9 to 12. I even saw one that said he was 15 feet tall. Some can see only a silhouette, while others describe seeing a wide, jaggy, toothy grin stretching from ear to ear just beneath the brim of his tipped hat, blacked out or red eyes, if you are unlucky enough, you'll hear him speak, I'm gonna get you, or you are mine. And if you are incredibly unluckier than usual, he's gonna touch you. He grabs, claws, strangles, chokes, stoking and stoking that cold, burning blaze of your fear. Sometimes he's alone in this nightmarish scape. Sometimes he's accompanied by a few of his smaller shadow lackeys, He's also been reported sharing the encounter with the hooded figure. The more, the merrier, I say. In short, this particular experience is not fun. It's hellish, violating, traumatic, and definitely leaves an imprint in your memory. You will not want a repeat of this event and may even start doing your own research online just to see. And maybe the only comforting aspect of this encounter is that you will quickly realize that you ain't the only one, baby. This part of our convo, to be continued. And now to wrap up the lesson. It is well documented that a lot of these accounts do in fact take place while under the effects of sleep paralysis. Whether it is a causing occurrence or an effect, I think I've already made my stance on it known that we do not and cannot know at this point in time. The occurrence of both at the same time is not mutually exclusive to this experience. You can have both, one or the other, or neither. But the stories of having had the experience of both sleep paralysis and seeing a shadow figure permeates this phenomenon. Filmmaker Paul Tate had said that one in five people will have some sort of shadow person encounter, says that 80% of sleep paralysis cases report having these visitations. So no matter who is paying the visit, what does this horrifying experience look like? It may start with a feeling of being watched or sensing of a presence or the realization that one is immobile, paralyzed, Intense dread or anxiety can also accompany the original feeling of presence and can be pervasive throughout the experience. 
If the person has just awakened, often they describe pressure on their chest or throat, and of course, though they attempt it, the inability to move anything but their eyes, which may search the room until they notice something not quite right in the corner, or the open doorway, or the foot of their bed, or standing right over them. A dark mass. Their room may be pitch black, but they often describe the shape they see as darker than that. The thing, whatever it is, just watches them. Sometimes that is all they do, just stays where they are and observes the plight of the frozen victim. But sometimes they move, they approach, they touch. Many a story recounts having a limb grabbed, being spoken to, threatened, a ringing in the ear, a sound of a distant hum, or a high-pitched whooshing. And here is your fair warning. This next bit is going to be a good place to skip ahead a minute and a half if this subject makes you queasy at all, or if you have children listening. I'll see you on the other side of the skip. Some have had their intruder crawl onto the bed with them, or on top of them, sitting on their chests and pressing the air right out of them. They have been clawed at, beaten, choked, molested, picked up and dropped, even sexually violated. According to the documentary I previously mentioned, Supernatural Assault, these accounts more sexual in nature can actually start out innocently enough, nothing too alarming for the contactee. Rosemary Ellen Guiley had suspected shadow people to be the djinn, and says this was more the djinn's M.O., to lure or draw a person in in order to have their guard down as the quote-unquote relationship becomes more and more violating, even violent. And some report having the belief that they might die, or that they are close to death during these experiences. There is a brief segment in the documentary speculating that sons, or sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome, can be attributed to these experiences. Most cases I have read thus far don't go as far as sexual exploitation or possible death, and seem to focus more so on the fear the actual encounter itself creates in the contactee. But for the sake of having more information, there you go. It has happened this way. And this will be about the time the rest of our audience joins back up with us. Welcome back, guys. The experience can be very brief, or it can last a few minutes, and it's usually always accompanied distinctly by fear, shock, sensing of threat, or despair. And as abrupt as the experience began, no matter how long it lasts, it can end just as quickly. Either the intruder is just suddenly gone, or you're finally able to wiggle some fingers or toes and it quickly disintegrates before your eyes, and you are either released from your immobile prison or you fall back asleep and later awake, telling yourself it was all just a strange dream, questioning whether it happened. But I expect your suspicion that it did and the memory of the event might only lead to more questions. And now that I am thoroughly creeped out, let's wrap it up for now. This has been first-hand accounts and what happens during a visit with a shadow person. We covered a lot, went over the details, some probably not as bad as people might think, and others, well, there's some dark stuff happening out there. If I missed anything that you think should have been talked about, let me know. 
If you've either had an experience similar to any of these or something happened in your own experience that was not covered, please reach out. I'm down to listen, and I am always down to learn more. Hit me up on the Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. The handle for those is at ParanormGirlPod, or shoot me an email at ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. If you want your story told at the beginning of an upcoming episode, shoot it on over, guys. I can keep your submission anonymous or give you all the street cred you want. I'll do it. I'll do that for you because I am your biggest fan. And a final note. If you have experienced this particular encounter firsthand, don't be afraid to reach out to others for support, insight, or just a sympathetic ear. There are many stories just like yours. And of course, do not hesitate to get medical help if you suspect it might be getting triggered by a sleeping condition. And if you are skeptical, you have every right to feel this way. It's not an experience that happens to everyone. Maybe it's never happened to you. But in the event you should ever find yourself in the presence of a shadow person, and you can't quite explain away what happened, rest assured that you are not alone in having had this experience. There is an entire community out there who will completely understand what you've been through. As we go deeper and deeper into this subject, I think it would be good to have some compassion and understanding, to try and open our minds to all the possibilities, to really listen. Whether you side with the more logical explanations of this phenomenon, or you are fully in support of this being a spiritual issue, it might shed more light for us if we can consider that gray area in between the two sides. Our minds are wired to have an opinion, that it can only ever be one way or the other. But life is rarely so black and white. Every argument has a counter-argument. The truth often lies somewhere in the middle. Skeptic or believer, we meet here because we don't have all the answers. We don't know anything beyond a shadow person of a doubt. Until we do, stay safe, keep that nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. <laughs>